Hello and welcome to the American National Update. I'm your host, David Merle. Here is your place for the most current and accurate American national information and news. Each and every week, we will be going over a piece of our history to lay the foundation of knowledge so we can all be better equipped to handle the present. Stick around after the break for a great show. Welcome back. As always, I would like to go over what an American national is. The problem is, the the farther I go down this rabbit hole, the less I know. And I'll explain what I mean by that later. Generally speaking, an American national is somebody who has rejected the federal citizenship status and would be considered more of a state citizen. Um, Like if you were born in California, your nationality would be considered Californian. The implications of this can be overwhelming. Normally we think that operating, living, and functioning in the U.S., you have inherent freedoms protected by the Constitution. The farther you go down this rabbit hole, the more you realize that your freedoms have been exchanged for privileges without you even knowing. And so an American national is somebody who has woken up, rejected the federal, and is going after... What the the more pure form of government that the founding fathers had in mind? Government made up by the people for the people, instead of uh, the government being a corporation and the people are not the beneficiary, not the beneficiaries, but the more of the instruments, and the corporation is the beneficiary. Today, we're going to explore a third level. The third level is better, older, easier, purer, and let me think. But this is really good news for Christians, and I'll tell you why. Because the older level is based upon the King James Bible. The King James Bible outlines Christianity. I mean, it doesn't outline it. It, it uh, presents Christianity, Christianity. All the Bibles do, to some extent or the other. But the King James is unique because it is actually linked to government. Think about it. Who authorized the King James version of the Bible? King James. It was the first and only translation of the Bible authorized, promoted, and oaths taken upon from monarchies and now heads of state. This is significant. I'm still tracking down um, all the ins and outs of proving that 
modern government is still linked, even remotely linked, to the King James Version of the Bible. But it's clearly linked in our past. Clearly. Uh, Queen Elizabeth II, when she was coronated, she pledged her her whole throne and all of her power to defending the King James Bible and the Christian faith. Now, she doesn't have a lot of power at the moment. And probably that position won't have a lot of power to do with lawmaking and military operations and those kinds of things. The one area of power that she has retained is the power to defend the Christian faith. Now, this is really great news if you live in a, in a country that still has her as a figurehead, like Canada, um, I think maybe Australia, you know, anywhere in the in the Great Britain uh, area. So you've got a monarch defending your Christian faith. That's fantastic. But what do you do in uh, a country like? United States of America, where we don't have a monarch. Well, now, some people would say that, yes, the the British system still is pulling some, some strings in the U.S., uh, whether it be banking or, or lawmaking. You know, it really just depends on how, how convinced you are of the deep state and the, the global ruling class being in cahoots and how closely that happens. We're not here to talk about that. If you live in the U.S. or any country that's that is part of um, uh, a couple of covenants, we'll talk about. There's hope. There's hope. Probably, if you live in a democracy with a constitution, you probably have somewhere in the constitution that actually protects your right to sincerely held faith in a religious belief. You know, it doesn't even have to be religious, actually. Just sincerely held faith in a belief system. Which technically that might be religious in nature, but it might not be a quote-unquote religion. So let's talk about some of these, these things that are protected outside of whatever country you live in. They uh, are international treaties, covenants. Uh, one is the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. Another would be the Vienna Convention, Article 27. The Geneva Convention. I can't remember which article that is. Um, then there are codes... Like in the United States, we have um, the U.S. Commercial Code, I think it's 18, subsection 247, talks very, very strongly and specifically that there shall be no, no power, no entity to try and coerce you, intimidate you, to persuade you to give up your sincerely held religious beliefs. Okay? And in the U.S., there is a precedent, a, a, 
an obligation for public figures to accommodate religious belief. So if you are a Christian, or any anybody with a religious belief, you are in a position to demand accommodation based upon your belief. And based upon your belief, you can make certain claims. Some of those claims, for me, I, I realized that this is the probably the best, definitely the simplest way to approach being quote-unquote an American national is to do it like this. So one of the claims, and I'm, I'm going to break out into Bible study. So if y'all don't like Bible studies, just go ahead and click off. One of the things that if you use the King James Bible as your jurisdiction, your law that you're standing under, because everybody stands under some kind of law, okay? In Isaiah 33, it says that the Lord is the lawgiver, right? So if you're going to use your Christianity, just know that the laws that the Lord does give, those are the laws that you are going to be um, using and accountable to. But let's get into some of the... Um, I'm just going through my notes here. Um, laws that go against divine law that oppress our rights are void. That's in Isaiah 10, verses 1 and 2, Isaiah 24, Daniel 3, and Daniel 6. We are to turn from evil and keep God's law. That's a principle found throughout the Bible. Uh, We are not to submit ourselves to slavery. That's in Galatians 5. You are always uh, to obey the master that you've chosen. That's the master you'll obey. That's in Romans 6. Uh, worship God only. That's throughout the Bible and Luke and also in Deuteronomy, all throughout the Bible. Uh, a servant of Christ is to occupy his kingdom. That's Luke 19. That's Genesis. That's all over the Bible. Um, let's see here. As servants of God, we are to obey God. Okay, so there's a lot of texts, and they can be organized in a, in a very coherent way to demonstrate that if you were going to actually stand under the authority of the King James Bible, God, that's been recognized by the state, by international communities, by ruling monarchs currently, and even if a particular country does not have a direct link to the King James Bible, uh, go ahead and use it. And there's a couple of reasons why. I'm not sure if I'll get into it today. If I'm not to have any contracts or dealings with, with uh, countries or entities or nations that add to or take away from God's law, what does that mean? Well, it means 
I can't have a driver's license or a social security number or a birth certificate or any of these things that we're trying to be free of because it goes against my religion. It goes against my religion because I'm not allowed in the purest form of the gospel to be associated with pagan countries, to have contracts that are fraudulent, to um, to have relationships with um, with anything that that harbors deceit and fraud. The Bible says over and over and over again that God does not regard, does not respect persons. Now, persons is a legal term that literally means a dead corporate fiction. So that the same the same definition can apply to individual, but persons is the is the word that happens over and over again in the Bible. God says He is not a respecter of persons. He does not regard persons in law. It actually says persons in the law, talking about judgment. In the New Testament, it brings it home to us. If we respect persons, we are committing sin. So what does it mean to respect persons? Well, like I said, from a legal definition, it person means a dead corporate fiction. The word person comes from the Greek persona. It comes from when the Greek plays were written. People would put on a mask and that would become their persona, their personality for the for the play. It wasn't part of the actor. It was a mask. It was the character that they were portraying during the play. That was their personality. And yes, people can have more than one personality. You think about somebody with uh, multiple titles. You can be acting as a CEO that's a person, personality, a title. Then you can be acting as someone who sits on the board of a charity, another person, personality, title. Uh, you can be acting as anything. Anything that has a credential, anything that exists primarily as an entity on paper is a person. Think about the man or the woman being the the trustee of that person. They are responsible for maintaining that person. So if I am a CEO or um, whatever title, my responsibility when I'm acting as that person is to maintain that person, to keep them in good standing, to keep them in whatever position with... Uh, you know, no deficit of of character or responsibility. I'm the trustee of that person that is established on paper. And when I'm acting as that person in real life, it's really I'm placing that person on me as a mask. Okay. So this is I mean there's there's more that can be said about persons. But when you have the King James Bible Okay, and modern translations do not treat the, the, the language the same. They've quote-unquote modernized it, but in doing so, take away some of the legal veracity. 
So that's why we use the King James Bible. This is what I'm discovering. We can make a case that we as Christians do not respect persons. We do not associate ourselves with with countries and kingdoms of deceit. We cannot we cannot be as affiliated with with powers that add to or subtract from God's law. There are so many different positions to go and make your uh, to, to plant your flag. It's ridiculous. And they're so simple. So currently, I am formulating a paperwork, a uh, letter writing campaign, a uh, paperwork that is being notarized at the moment, being, being generated and notarized. And the next time I get on here, I think I'm going to talk about the difference between God's law and man's law and how to form agreements and the reason why we want to form agreements as opposed to arguments it's all so relevant and so simple and when it says that the truth will set you free it's true um i think this is the answer using using the bible as our source of freedom, should make perfect sense. And yet, we don't even consider it from a sort of a real-world political um, status kind of view. We only think about it as this, this invisible spirituality kind of freedom. Well, until next time... I hope everyone stays well. Please leave me some kind of voicemail. Contact me with any questions and and comments. I would really look forward to that.